Coronavirus isn't bringing us down. USDA says you're planting more corn, way more corn, and we take a peek at the next few weeks in planting weather. Welcome to Around Farm Progress from the nation's leading agricultural information provider. I'm Willie Vogt, your host and editorial director at Farm Progress. This week, we're looking at the grain markets and getting a heads up about the weather ahead for this planting season. Before I share my conversations with this week's guests, I wanted to offer a little insight on a new tool we're using at Farm Progress. We call it the Farm Progress Panel. It's a way for us to connect with those who follow our brand in a new way through your smartphone. Subscribers to our mobile text product can take part in periodic surveys that help us better understand what's happening on your farm. This week's panel took the pulse of subscribers about their mental health. I'm happy to report the mental state in this report is good. A quarter of respondents told us they were doing just fine and more than two thirds did admit to being a little down but hanging in. Response from the larger group is probably to be expected given we're into year seven of soft markets. If you'd like to take part in the Farm Progress panel, it starts by subscribing to our mobile text service. All you have to do is text the word FARM in all uppercase or caps to 20505. Again, text FARM in all uppercase letters to 20505. Then follow the prompts to become part of the group. As a subscriber, you'll also receive daily text updates of top agriculture news, and we thank you for joining. Now on to the rest of the podcast. What is happening in the grain markets and what can you do about it? We posted those questions and more to two Farm Progress team members from Farm Futures who offered a look at the latest USDA report and more. Let's see what they had to say. I'm talking with Jacqueline Holland, Jackie Holland, with uh, a senior market analyst with Farm Futures, and senior editor Ben Potter, also with Farm Futures. And we're going to dig into a little bit of what, what happened and maybe a little bit about what's going to happen to us going forward. Uh, hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Good morning. Good to talk to you both. I guess that's where I want to start um, for both of you, and you can decide how you want to take this on. Uh, we we had a survey the week before this report from Farm Futures, and we were a little nervous about it being wicked high for the number of corn acres. And then USDA came out. Uh, Jacqueline, you want to give me a sense of what, what happened? Yes, absolutely. So we conducted our March survey from March 2nd, or March 4th to March 20th, which was kind of the peak time at which coronavirus was impacting all of the U.S. markets. In our survey results, that farmers are leaning towards more corn acres in 2020. Um, and our estimates actually topped all of the trade estimates at 96.4 million acres of corn. USDA's acreage came in at 97 million acres. And it was something we were very nervous about. Um, analyst estimates up till that point had been 92, 94. Um, but everything we were hearing from our farmers said that they were going to plant more corn. And in talking with a lot of other analysts that weren't in the trade estimates group, as well as seed dealers, we kept hearing that there were going to be more corn acres. So when USDA's estimates came out on Tuesday, um, 
I was actually surprised that our numbers came in low. Um, yeah, surprised all of us, so, I think, that when our numbers came in low, right? Yeah, yeah, it did. It did. But, you know, corn, up until ethanol demand collapsed the last couple weeks, corn almost looked kind of similar to the 10-year T-note in that it's a safe haven asset. It was the most economical choice for farmers, and it just kind of seemed like a safe bet for them amidst so much market turbulence. Would you call that like a market security blanket? I would say that it was the least risky option for farmers. So yes, yes, (laughs) probably a, a security blanket. Interesting. That's the corn market. Well, and and corn didn't limit down on Tuesday, did it? I mean, what did corn do? It it went down. I know that, but what did corn do when that report came out? So the report also came out with, um, in tandem with the uh, quarterly stocks report, and the quarterly stocks were lower than analyst are than the average trade estimate had pegged it at. So stocks are prices only fell a couple a cent or two. So I think that the increase in usage in this first quarter of the year, if you will, um, I think that increase in usage kind of offset any significant losses we would have seen from corn acreage. Um, Soybeans got a nice boost though, and the new crop corn-soybean ratio jumped up. uh, Actually, as of yesterday, it was sitting at a 2.49. And a new crop uh, soybean corn ratio of anything more than 2.4 says that the markets want to see more soybean acreage. Um, that's not, I think that that's an estimate that is more relevant when farmers are trying to make their planting decisions between December and February. But there's still some farmers who haven't decided what they're going to plant. And there's still a really good ch- chance that weather isn't going to make it all of those farmers to get out into the fields and plant that corn in enough time. There's opportunities for that corn acreage number to come down, but you know, a lot of farmers have already have also already booked their corn seed purchases. So it's gonna be really interesting to see how our spring plays out. Right. I think last um Last week, we talked with Holly Spangler, a prairie farmer, and she had talked to Growmark, and they, they said 95% of their corn had already been delivered, their crop, their seed had already been delivered. But I also know that if a farmer wants to make a change or the trade wants to buy some acres, they can. So it'll be very interesting to see, as you say, in the coming weeks with the weather, how that could play out and push more towards soybeans. But with the stocks down, that's interesting. You know, there's an interesting different bright spot here, and I've joked about this offhand. Uh, apparently no one is gluten intolerant in a crisis, but that also means that wheat's gotten more valuable. Ben, what are you seeing on the wheat market? Yeah, you know, we're all talking about social distancing and, and some other terms 
uh, in the wake of this pandemic. Uh, panic buying is another term that's kind of entered the lexicon. Um, you look at prices uh, throughout March, they, they really jumped. Uh, people, uh, after buying toilet paper and whatnot, uh, people mm-hmm. jumped on uh, bread and pasta and, and a bunch of other food staples. Um, and the market reflects that. Uh, but wheat's kind of taken a wild ride. I, I have the five-year chart pulled up. Uh, we're really looking at, uh, I'm really kind of optimistic about wheat right now. Uh, if you were selling wheat in the last five years, you would have gotten a slightly better price in August of 2018. Uh, but markets are still kind of a, near a five-year high right now. Um, uh, demand's good. Export sales are up year over year. Uh, supplies are down uh, to, let's see, uh, per the stocks report, 1.142 billion bushels, which is a lot, but uh, it was a bigger drawdown year over year. Um, and we have the lowest acres on record. Uh, once again, I, I asked Jackie yesterday, um, is, is that a surprise? And she said, nope. <laughs> so we're at four, uh, 44.655 million acres. That seems to be a story, though, uh, year after year. We, we, we seem to report every year it's the lowest on record, but uh, that's true again this year. Yeah, wheat's an interesting crop because it uh, it used to be a fill it used to be a major crop, then it became a fill-in crop, and now there's work being done. I'm actually working on a wheat variety story for Western Farmer Stockman on on what's going on in breeding. There is some success with some high yield. I mean, the National Association of Wheat Growers Yield Contest actually had some 200 bushel guys in there for wheat. Think about that for a minute. So if I reduce the acres, but I quadruple the yield, how about that? That's an idea. But So we'll see how the stocks to use ratios change on that. But uh, yeah, I think comfort food is probably the the, the word, the phrase of the day. Um, I would rather have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich than some things, and I need bread for that. So it's an important deal. Right. As uh, both of you, as you look at these markets going forward, I, as a farmer, have to set some strategy for my marketing plan. Um, should I take a pause, take a beat, just like I'm tell, like I'm being told to do regarding my 401k plan, and just kind of let it play out a little bit? But what about what should I be looking at in corn and soybeans too? Can you give me a little sense of your plan going forward on how my marketing plan should be? Springtime is traditionally the time when we start to see some rallies. Amidst so much market uncertainty, I want to check out some call options and just look and see if they're priced to fit into your marketing plan so that you can take advantage of any rallies while still limiting your downside risk. I think those are a pretty safe strategy when everything is so uncertain and just so prone to fluctuating right now. Is the premiums not too bad on the call options, depending on the price you're looking at? They have increased a little bit, well, quite a bit more with all of the increased volatility in the market. But if you hunt around enough and can find a good deal on one, by all means, take advantage of it. So I have a hunch, and I want to see if Jackie will verify this also. <laughs> so wheat prices have been, wheat and soybean have been kind of fairly insulated from some of the volatility that's been happening. You look at the Dow just getting crushed right now. Energy prices are in the tank. But if you look at that relative to soybeans and wheat, they've sort of held their ground. Now, corn has not 
kind of had that same advantage. But I'm also looking at a very wet spring uh, that's forecasted and a very kind of bullish look at acres. Do you think that there's a chance uh, that fewer than 97 million acres gets planted? And if so, is that going to have an impact on prices? I think there definitely is a chance keeping the long-term weather forecast in mind. The corn market's got a really nice boost this morning because Saudi Arabia and Russia are in talks to back off their price war their price war over oil. So if the energy market can rebound from that, then I think we probably could see 97 million acres of corn. I think that Saudi Arabia can probably weather this pain a little bit better than the American ethanol industry can. So to that degree, yes, I imagine we probably will see lower corn acreage this spring. So it could be higher, but it might not be. I mean, that's welcome to market analysts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Yes. But, you know, Mother, Mother Nature always has the last uh, card in the hand. So yeah, we'll be talking to Greg Solier next from This Week in Agribusiness about that weather forecast because um, we're not liking what we're seeing. And uh, I'm more concerned about demand destruction. And that's a question I wanted to ask you both. When we talk about markets and we talk about um, demand, there's either demand destruction or demand delay. Um, has this market created demand destruction and that means that it's not coming back or does it just shifted the demand to later this year when it does come back? I mean, what's your sense of that? And I guess we're really talking corn in the ethanol market, but what, you know, what's going on with, with soybeans in China and then maybe even wheat may have new demand. So what do you think about all that? From an overall economic standpoint, I think we're going to see both of these things, which is a, which is a very typical economist answer. But jobs data came out this morning saying that there were 6.6 million unemployment claims filed last week. That topped the prior week's jobless claims of 3 million, which had beat out a record from the Great Depression as the highest amount of unemployment claims. I, I, think, I think there will be a little bit of uh, a bump in consumer expenditures when we get out of this, but I don't think we're going to realize our full demand potential immediately. Um, I think China is going to come back online with soybean purchases a little bit earlier than the rest of the world. I think we're going to, it's more of a solvency issue than a liquidity issue right now. And solvency issues take a little bit longer to recover from than liquidity problems. One quick trip around the world before we wrap up. Uh, obviously, uh, Russia talk, was talking about um, embargoing wheat to keep wheat in, in their supply chain. That helped wheat, obviously. But are there other factors? Um, anything else farmers should be aware of that they should, might want to keep an eye on and take advantage of some market moves uh, in the next few weeks? I would just watch. Uh, I'm glad you said trip around the world. I, Russia is an obvious uh, thing to be watching. Ukraine also is uh, capping exports. It doesn't matter a whole lot because I think they've already uh, sold 90% of what they say they want to cap it at uh, this year through June. Um, but I would just watch for 
different countries stockpiling and protecting their domestic interests uh, because that could put a uh, put some clamps on world trade. But may open opportunities for those of us that don't put a clamp on our thing. So, if, say if Brazil decides to clamp down on its soybeans and we still sell soybeans, that's not going to hurt us. Right. Yeah. We're. I mean, we're. We've got the grain and we want to sell it. It's a. It's a fascinating market we're in. So, um, any closing comments? Uh, Jackie, you first, and then I'll let Ben wrap us up. Just keep hanging in there. Um, there's there's still a lot of market volatility that's left to play out, and there are still opportunities. I think we just have to be patient and make sure that we are looking at our risk management plans. We're doing everything we can proactively to price forward and keep waiting, praying for less rain. Ben? Sure. I think, uh, I don't know if you're nervous about making moves. I think volatility is just insane right now. So I don't think there's a lot of downside to waiting. I was just looking at crude oil prices today as just one example, up 22%. I mean, those kind of moves are unbelievable, but they've been happening over and over and over this year. Uh, So keep watching the markets and and see what they do. I think the volatility uh, is not sustainable in the long run. So hopefully things kind of smooth over at some point. Great. Now you make me wish I'd gone long in the oil market yesterday, but you know how that goes. Um, Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) thank you. I think think it's still a pretty good deal, though. Yeah. Oh, no, it is. It, no one's going anywhere, but it is a good <laughs> deal. Absolutely. It, we've been talking to Jacqueline Holland, market analyst with Farm Futures and Ben Potter, senior editor at Farm Futures, to get a sense of the markets in the middle of COVID-19. Thank you both for your time. Uh, have a great day. And as usual, stay indoors, stay distant, and uh, we'll be talking soon. There's another popular topic in agriculture that's top of mind these days, and it's the weather. We reached beyond the Farm Progress team to an expert we work with on that very topic, We caught up with Greg Solier by cell phone to discuss what he's seeing for planting season weather. Let's see what he had to say. We want to look at the weather for plant 20, and the best place I know to do that is to turn to somebody I trust for agricultural weather, and that's my favorite agricultural meteorologist, Greg Solier. You can catch him on This Week in Agribusiness every weekend on RFD-TV and at farmfutures.com, but also on Brownfield Radio during the week as well. Greg, um, I do hate to make you the bearer of bad news, but I've been looking at the weather. How do you see the upcoming weeks, the next few weeks for plant 20? Well, I tell you, I wish we had, uh, and we are, we're coming, calling with a very optimistic and uh, positive uh, scenario around here. Uh, I think down the line is the weeks we're on. I think there may be some recollection and some recall of uh, Plant 19. We may be, and actually we're already off and running in some of that same uh, issue, whether it's uh, swollen streams and rivers out through the western and southern parts of the Corn Belt, eastern plains, the Dakotas on southward wet ground, still some snow to melt, still some snow to come on down in the wake of the latest snow from the high plains into the upper Midwest. But unfortunately, we don't have a lot to offer on up on the, uh, this week in Agribusiness television show. We, of course, do that extended outlook, and we have it through the first couple of days of May. And I'm sorry to say that there's just, uh, after a little window that we've had here in some of these early uh, days of uh, April and late March, I think we're going to be right back into the thick of it, recurring wet weather where we get maybe two, three, four days. You just about get ready to get going and get out there. And boom, here comes the moisture. And there's still some snow in the forecast, but Northern Plains and Upper Midwest as late as late April, beginning part of uh, May around here. And of course, the wet weather that will continue on on a recurring basis uh, and probably begin to key on some of the same areas of the Corn Belt. That could very well be many central 
and southern areas. So if you are trying to get an early leg up, maybe even fast forward into the beginning part of May, don't have a lot of good news for you. It looks to be uh, certainly wet around here, wide-ranging temperatures as well from northwest to southeast across complex times of maybe almost a late winter feel in some far northern and western areas, and at times a feel of early summertime anticipated over sections of the Ohio Valley and southern Corn Belt on south, where you get that temperature discontinuity, as we call it, in the weather business, and you come up with uh, these frequent rounds of uh, rain and moisture and thunderstorm activity. That's the story, I think, through the better part of April, first couple of days of May, yeah. That's going to make corn planting a lot of fun. As usual, we're all working from home. We're all working from home for uh, during this COVID-19 time. And I understand uh, you're working the way you can. And that's hence we're on cell phones and conversation as people listen to this podcast. The the question I had for you and people will often ask, though, when you look at this next six weeks, that, that does not appear to be good, uh, good news. Um, I think we're going to have to take the opportunities where we can and have all our equipment tuned and ready to rock and roll. What about other bigger patterns, the La Nina, El Nino cycle, and some of that kind of thing? Do you see anything there that might make some differences later down the road? I think that down the line later, and I mean, I do mean later into the spring planting, and more likely, I think there's going to be some folks. And I think this year, it might be sections of the eastern complex that have to be watched in particular. Now we had some, some, some devastating issues in the western and southwestern parts of the Baltic eastern plains last year. That recurring wet weather pattern that just won't end, kind of showing signs that it might be for now, maybe parts of Michigan, Indiana, and Ohio. I think with time now, let's take into account May, first of all, May continues on a wetter than average uh, normal, stormier than average as well. Wide swings of temperature. You know, your classic uh, spring setup, but accentuated again this year across the entire complex. Uh, we do see signs uh, that as we get deeper into maybe late May, mid to late May, and more so early June, and I know that is late, and by golly, we defined late last year. Uh, there may be some late issues again, not the historic variety, but enough to certainly aggravate you if you're not already in that mold with all the stuff going out of the world these days. But there may be, again, the tendency to see a return to more normal, more typical, more average precipitation totals, and a little more extended dry time, maybe a little more extended opportunity to get caught up. That would be a first in the western and southwestern Corn Belt. Uh, towards the mid to late May, towards the Memorial Day holiday, I know that is late. And then as we get deeper into the first couple of weeks of June, better progress than all but we, as we see it right now, parts of Michigan, Indiana, and Ohio. So, yes, it will be late. There's a slow, modest improvement as we get deeper into mid to late spring and early summer west to east. Again, not of the historic nature, but again, probably another protracted, extended delay uh, written of planting season around here as we get you know through and the end of the beginning part of June with, again, some lingering wet weather issues in the far eastern Corn Belt uh, this year. So hang in there. Not the historic variety of last year, but any other year compared to averages, it's going to be another tough one. Yeah, it is kind of challenging. I think that... Uh... Um, it, we talk about all this, but it turns out we had a pretty good corn yield last year too. So we do want to know that this is going to wear on everybody, but, um, we, we kind of, apparently we now know how to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, 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 you know, it's what's pretty amazing. I mean, to hear, uh, you know, at least over the past couple of weeks, uh, you know, the, the, the wrap where they've been able to do it, supporting heavier equipment, the snow has melted, not only through many areas, but. Mind you, but uh, parts of the Dakotas, North Dakota, still trying to wrap up their uh, 2019 uh, corn harvest up there. So, uh, yeah, we, we've been through this. And, of course, uh, you know, the matters of the world uh, at hand right now make it even more 
uh, Andrew Betty, enough to drive a producer of Finkel, but Zabriel Finkel, uh, the guy who I kind of cut my weather teeth on, enough to drive it to the apothecary, and I think this may be another year, all things considered. But, but, but again, you know, gradually better, modestly better, west to east as we get deeper, unfortunately deep into the planning uh, season to beginning uh, part of June. After that, I think if I may fast forward a little bit here, we'll probably have to watch for maybe a little more increased dryness, we should believe, in those western and southwestern and Great Plains, Central Plains areas, getting into mid to late summertime. And again, average to the central core belt and still wetter off of the east. No real mechanism, by the way, driving things as we see it. We have a little La Nina at times, a little El Nino. There's other stratospheric indices, Atlantic and Pacific indices. No real thing that jumps out at us here. So it's kind of left to in-house methods and uh, stacking things up to previous years, how we try to get a fix on how the longer-range weather forecast goes over the next three to six months. I've been talking with Greg Solier, agricultural meteorologist. Look forward to talking to you again sometime in the future. Have a great day. These days, with many working from home, getting a great audio connection can be a challenge. But we felt Greg's information was very important to know, and we appreciated his time. Markets and weather are important information areas, and perhaps these days, even a welcome distraction from coronavirus talk. Even if the news isn't always good, at least we know what to do with that information. Speaking of coronavirus, the Farm Progress team is covering the COVID-19 issue from across the country. The best way to find our coverage is to visit farmprogress.com forward slash coronavirus. This section is constantly being updated. And don't forget, if you want to be part of the Farm Progress panel or get our daily top agriculture news updates to your smartphone, just text FARM in all uppercase letters to 20505. That's FARM in all caps to 20505 and follow the prompts you receive. Thanks for listening to Around Farm Progress, our weekly podcast where we touch base with our editors from around the country to get the latest information about what's happening on the farm. Farm Progress is the nation's leading agriculture information source. With 17 state and regional magazines and the brands Farm Futures, Beef, National Hog Farmer, and Feedstuffs. And of course, the Farm Progress Show and Husker Harvest Days. Join us next week as we continue our agriculture journey around the country. I'm Willie Vogt, Editorial Director at Farm Progress. Thank you for listening.